Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. This week's episode is a super special one. I'm very excited to share it with you. I had the great privilege of talking with Sam Irby last week on a stage to celebrate her newest book release here in Chicago. And as you will hear, the conversation was just as fun as you would want it to be. If you somehow are not already familiar with Sam, Buckle your fucking seatbelts because this is a delightfully wild ride. Her newest book is called Quietly Hostile. It's an essay collection and it spans a huge variety of topics. We've got lesbian nun porn fantasies, living with teenage stepkids, why her wife has so many condiments in their fridge. And of course, there's a lot about chronic illness, which means there is a great lot about diarrhea, which is extremely on brand for Sam. In addition to her essays, Sam has also started writing for TV. She wrote for And Just Like That, which is the new Sex and the City reboot. She also worked on the HBO Max cartoon Tuca and Birdie and the Hulu adaptation of Lindy West's book Shrill. As you will hear, Sam is just the best. She grew up in Evanston, which is the suburb just north of Chicago. So we were all very happy to welcome her back home. She lives in Michigan now. We started the conversation with a question from a Nerdette listener, which was... How are you the coolest and funniest person ever? It's true. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We know. I'm very humble. Um, I'm not that cool, though. I almost started crying in O'Hare. <laughs> but <laughs> I hear all the cool kids are doing that these days. Because, because baggage claim was so far from the gate. <laughs> That is not a cool person. That's a big, dumb baby. So, not cool and funny uh, as a byproduct of uh, trauma. (laughs) Well, great. We'll take it. That's fine. (laughs) So, congratulations on Quietly Hostile. How does it feel? The same as it always feels. Yeah? I mean... I don't do anything different in each book, right? Well, sure, but I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier, and like you're actually going on tour this time around. And I hate that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They made me go to New York, which I hate. Mm. I hate. Here is what happened the first day I was in New York. The driver is like, he's a nice old dude. He's driving me. He stops. He's like, look out the look out the window. I look, there's a dude who's out of his car. He left his car in the middle of the street. Great start. Doors open. Uh-huh. And he is trying to pull a cabbie no. through the window of his cab no. to fight him. No. And I was like, I hate this fucking town <laughs> so much. Like, we wild out, but not like that. No. We're not like that. Like, we're... <laughs> 
better than that. <laughs> and, well, I didn't pay. My publisher did. Paid $10 oh, for yeah. a Coke in the hotel. Like, bitch, are you crazy? That's I hate insane. that place. So, <laughs> I was sad I had to be there, but now I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, good. I have a confession to tell you, which is that I'm pretty sure I drank the Diet Coke upstairs that you were supposed to have. <laughs> well, I'm going to murder you after this. <laughs> I'm feeling Ho- very hope you had a fun life, because it's over. So we got a number of questions submitted ahead of time from mm-hmm. people in the audience. And we got one from Loria in Lincoln Park, which I thought was great. It's about how you find that your writing practice has changed since having worked on TV. It, it hasn't. Mm. TV writing is like super collaborative, which is good. I like, I don't feel confident enough in TV to be like, well, also my ideas are insane. So <laughs> I like to. <laughs> you can start here and they'll talk you down to here and it's great. <laughs> yes. Okay. I tried to put a scene in the new, uh, and just like that, uh-huh. uh, Sex in the City reboot where, uh, Carrie has, explosive diarrhea in a restaurant (laughs) i really tried i tried so hard i tried so hard and i got my boss on board we were gonna do it and then sarah jessica parker didn't want to shit on tv so i was like okay girl but she did puke which okay. is the second best. <laughs> so that was really good. But like, so it's collaborative. You can bounce things off people. Uh, they can tell you that your ideas are dumb and would never be approved by the network. Um, but my own writing is just like me, you know, at 3 a.m. Uh, with my little laptop. And that's always what it's been. Mm. So it's still, it's the same. The thing is, I really don't get to blame my mistakes on anyone. Like, if my script is bad, they're never bad. But if my script is bad, I can be like, oh, well, Julie signed off on that. And then, like, wipe my hands of it. But, like, if my books are bad, it's my fault. So how much do you want to talk about the writer's strike today? Um, a lot. First of all, (laughs) it was easy for me to strike because I didn't have a job. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, I've been striking. (laughs) Solidarity, I've been on strike, you guys. Um, I I got a residual check (laughs) for $42, (laughs) which... Like, I have the books, so I am very lucky. Also, I'm, like, 43. I'm not, like, a 22-year-old kid with eight roommates in a studio apartment in L.A., like, trying to work on a show. But, like, I mean, they make so much money, and the writers get not much money. So, yeah, we'll strike until they give us our cash. We're union strong. We're union people. Yeah. Well, so yeah, that segues beautifully into my next question, which is from Sarah in West Rogers Park, who wanted to know, well, first, Sarah said, first of all, you're amazing. Thank you, Sarah. And secondly, what do you have in the works for TV? 
Okay, we can all cry together. I just had, <laughs> so I tried to make a TV show <laughs> out of my first book. Yes. And spent, you'll read about it. Spent I want to like talk about seven that. years. Yeah. <laughs> wasting my time. Um, but then I just <laughs> wrote, I was, I did a show in development with Sony. You guys, it would have been amazing. It's so weird. It's about a woman who finds a severed head and, <laughs> but it's like alive. <laughs> and he talks to her and he does like a Cyrano de Bergerac kind of thing where wow. he like helps her through her life. Who are you picturing to play the severed head? I would love to know. Like, Nick Offerman. Okay, great, great. You know, like a cranky dude. Did you guys watch Veep? Remember the dude, like the drunk dude on Veep with the big mug of whiskey? (laughs) He would be Kevin. He would be perfect. Okay. Um... We, I rewrote the script like three times and and they finally, like a couple weeks ago, were just like, we're getting out of the half hour comedy business. Oh, are they? So I was like, it's okay to say you just don't want to make this weird show that you bought. Hollywood is, I mean, not to be this person, but it was terrible. I mean, you know what? If I wanted to like reboot something old, I'm sure I could get that greenlit. But if I want to make a weird severed head show it's nobody's gonna let me (laughs) i have faith for the severed head i think it just might be a matter of your finger when they give me the script back i can take it to other networks see there you go so cross your fingers maybe it's a peacock show who knows (laughs) so this collection is full of delightful essays you obviously span like a number of insane topics Mm -hmm. as of course we would expect I think my favorite is probably about I like it. Oh. I just thought it was really sweet. Well, and I don't do sweet very often. (laughs) Well, I think there's also, like, there's still an indignance to, I mean, it also fits the whole quietly hostile thing where it's, like, like what you don't say out loud but is very heavily implied is, like, fuck you, I like it. Yes. You know? Yes. So I like it is this thing I started doing because snobs are so rude about the things they think are cool. I love a lot of lowbrow entertainment, as you already know. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And I I get tired of, like, justifying. You know how somebody will be like, oh, you like that? Oh, that? And then you feel like you have to explain to this asshole why you like what you like. This woman said to me one time, because there was a copy of Gone Girl on our dining room table. She a was banger. Like, she was like, um, you know, that book isn't very feminist. <laughs> uh, come on. I was like, first of all, it's a woman setting a man up. That's the most feminist thing <laughs> you could ever do. Like, get out of here. He was going to go to jail because of her. That's feminist as hell. Um, But also, like, now I got to defend Gone Girl. I didn't write Gone Girl. (laughs) I didn't get any money from that book. I just bought it and loved it. And so now, instead of being like, oh, (laughs) well, you know, now I just say, I like it. And they can't say anything back. 
There's nothing to say when you tell someone you like a thing you like. So Unless they really everybody are start asshole. doing that. Yeah, I think it's sweet. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so speaking of books, you read a lot. I mean, you know, I try. I don't read a lot of people who do what I do because it makes me mm. feel insecure. Um, fragile, very fragile. <laughs> uh, but I read a lot of like horror and thrill. I love a thriller. You, I like I, your taste in thrillers. I too. love a thriller. I like anything that makes me turn the pages fast yeah. and like makes me feel like a fast reader who <laughs> is good at reading. <laughs> That's what I want to read. I do not read like dense novels with big words. That is not my ministry. I. <laughs> I want it to be fast. I never figure out the killer, so I'm like a perfect <laughs> thriller person. You guys remember in um, The Sixth Sense, like the twist at the end? Everybody in the theater knew, I guess. <laughs> and I was the only like, one who was like, oh my God, he was dead? <laughs> <laughs> And my friend was like, he never changed his sweater. And I was like, so? I, I don't notice things like that. <laughs> no. nuance, nuance and subtlety are lost on me. So, yeah, I like to read a thrill. Every time I'm like, oh, it was her. And it's great. So how much are you using your writing to process your own shit? <laughs> and yes, I did phrase it that Dang. way. Okay. <laughs> um, well, less now since I have a psychiatrist. Oh, nice. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, but yeah, I think, well, I don't write about anything that, I, that I'm not willing to discuss, mm. you know, because like, I think it's unfair to an audience to be like, you read this thing. If you want to ask me about it, How if I'm like, you? oh, I can't, it's too painful. Like, that's insane. Like, why would you do it? So I think things are pretty worked out by the time I'm ready to write about them. But yeah, it's all like a sort of processing, right? It's like, it's all just me working through my own, like, tangled inner web. But if it goes in a book, it's like, I'm ready for it to be on the news, right? So... <laughs> I mean, you're putting it in a book. Yeah. So how long after an event then does it take or does it just totally depend in terms of, you know, like I imagine in some of the things you're describing in this book, while they're happening, you're like, oh shit, this is going in the next book. Yeah, there's an essay. <laughs> I almost, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I almost died from That's anaphylactic shock. too, yeah. Which, wait till you read. It's so stupid. But... <laughs> Like it's pretty epic. First of all, I didn't want to go to the hospital. I was like, oh, I don't. I'll just take a Benadryl. <laughs> and my fa I look like Joe Camel. I just like my whole face, <laughs> like the whole bottom part of my face. My eyes were swelling shut, and I was like, just, just poke a Benadryl down my closed-up throat, 
and I'll be fine. We, <laughs> we, had to, we called the nurse line, like our insurance has like a nurse line. And she, like, first of all, this happened while I was on the toilet. Let's start there. <laughs> um, you did bury the lead on that one. <laughs> Kirsten comes in with the phone with the nurse on speakerphone. <laughs> and she's like, ma'am, can you breathe? And I'm like, uh, and like, I couldn't talk. And so she's like, she's like, um, I need you to promise me that you will hang up the phone and call an ambulance. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. Why would you do that? Like, it would be so humiliating to get in an ambulance with, like, my swollen face. While like, dying? Yeah, while yeah, dying. Yeah. So uh, I just told Kirsten to get the car. This is the middle of the night. It was snowing. And it was, like, at a point in COVID where, like, if you had to go to the emergency room, you had to go by yourself. So she, she dropped me off. And I was like, well, I'll see you later if I don't die in here. <laughs> And then, like an idiot, I stood in line, right? <laughs> and you're like, <gasps> yeah, my breathing, it sounds like shattered glass is in my lungs. And I'm like, <gasps> uh, uh, like standing like, you know, behind some crackhead who wants to use the phone. I'm like, <gasps> and so I finally get up to the triage nurse and she's like, could you move your mask away from your face? And I'm like, and I move it. And she like shot back in her chair and got on like the intercom and was like, I need a wheelchair. And I was like, I go walk. And they're like, no, no, you can't walk. So I get in this wheelchair and the nurse runs down the hall with me in the wheelchair. And we go into this room I've never seen before. It looks like the morgue, right? It's just, it's just like a silver table in the middle of this room. It has like the surgery lights. And, I, you know, and there's six people in there. And I was like, all this for me? Oh, my God. I can't believe it. So, like, they put me on the table, and I'm still trying to joke, you know, so that I can put the jokes in the book. You know how it goes. So I'm, like, trying to joke. So the main doctor is trying to intubate me. Like, it was so serious. It was so serious. And I'm such a clown. I was, like, making jokes, like, you know, like, blowjob jokes. Like, uh... It's been a minute since I've had one that deep. And the dude had to be like, I'm sorry. But it's true. And, <laughs> and the doctor had to be like, shut up. I'm trying to save your life. Right? So then he like, somebody stabs me with an EpiPen. Somebody else stabbed me with some prednisone. And... Uh, <laughs> Unfortunately for you, I lived. So, but like as that was happening, I was like, if I survive, this is going. I'm going to write about this. So yeah, at what point in that trajectory, like, was it 
when you were still on the toilet. Yes. You couldn't oh, breathe. You're like, yeah. oh, this is it. We're going. Yeah. This the is minute it. I looked in the mirror and saw that, I was like, I'm so glad this is happening to me. <laughs> so I have a feeling I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is, what are you, like, what, is there anything you wouldn't put in a book? Oh, yes. <laughs> a like few, what? a few things. Okay. Um, I have not yet written about my psychiatry journey. Mm. Turns out I have OCD. Oh, wow. Of all things. Interesting. Yeah, we thought it was depression all this time, and I was taking all these meds and not getting better, and then I got a psychiatrist, and she was like, no, 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 you have OCD. Um, Those and now, diagnoses are really common these days. I yeah, like. yeah. And so I take 300 milligrams of Zoloft a day. Uh, I have OCD very badly. Um, but I haven't written about it because I, uh, I don't know what to say yet. Like, I'm still, like, figuring it out. I'm still, like, doing my exposure therapy. I also have, like, a lot of fantasy situations that I don't write about. Some romantic, some revenge. Uh, <laughs> so I don't put those in the... You know, I keep some, a okay. few things okay. to myself. Not many, but a few. It does seem like you occupy such a fascinating space in terms of sharing so much. Readers feel so connected to you because you do put so much of yourself out there. Mm -hmm. But then how do you navigate also the fact that, like, you're meeting complete strangers a lot of the time who, who are often, I imagine, feel very comfortable telling you very intimate details about their own lives? First of all, I love that. <laughs> if everyone would just, like, sit next to me at a party and talk to me about their last bowel movement, I, <laughs> I would be in heaven. Um, but I do feel like people know me, right? Because, like, yeah. I do, like, that's me. You're reading it. I would never be like, <laughs> you don't know. Like, that's insane. No, I love it. Um, I get a lot of tears, which is hmm. weird. But, like, I do, I mean, I write to sort of, like, have this connection. You hmm. know, there's some writers who kind of, like, write down their noses at the reader. That is not me. I write from a place of, like, we're all in the same, like, boiling diarrhea. Like, <laughs> let's just look around and say to each other, isn't this terrible? Like, and like, they, I do, um, I mean, I, I'm like a, <laughs> a pit of need uh, that I fill up with other people's approval. Um, so, <laughs> I love it. If somebody's like, I feel like you're my best friend, I'm like, I am. <laughs> I am here for you. Yes. That's amazing. I, we, love I love you. I am. Oh, that's really sweet. So, there was a piece in The Atlantic recently about brain age. Did you see that? That is adorable that you think I read. <laughs> the Atlantic! TMZ today. What I don't know shit TMZ about today? the Atlantic. Greta, have you lost your mind? Sam, what was on TMZ today? What was on TMZ today? Now I'm, now I'm stuck. <laughs> what was on TMZ? Uh, Jojo Siwa got robbed. Oh. Okay. I vaguely know who that is. Yeah, that's my news. Okay. The Atlantic. <laughs> 
listen, the reason I bring it up is because I think it's a really funny premise that you would get a kick out of. The idea is that the age of, like, the voice in your brain is not necessarily the same age as, like, your body that has been through Mm -hmm. however many decades of life. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, especially reading your book, I just thought that that was a concept that might resonate with you, and I was curious how old your brain is. Well, I think it uh, swings wildly between, like, 15 and 84. Yes, yes. That's kind of how I feel, though. I think mine is more like four and 78. Mm. Yeah, I, I find, like, all my high school feelings, like, still easily accessible to me, you know? Maybe it's because I still listen to the same music I listened to mm. in high school, <laughs> so I've kept that alive. Uh, but then sometimes I just feel so crotchety yeah. and old and tired and old. <laughs> There's a line in the book about how you'd move into assisting, assisted living now if you could, and I was yes. like, oh, that sounds amazing. Yes. I, a nice one, like where you have yeah. your own little apartment and your own little kitchen. Yeah. I would do it. In just a minute, more from our event with Sam Irby. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Do you, you don't go back and read your stuff? Like once it's out, it's out? Mm Mm-mm. Why not? It's humiliating. I, it's... I mean, it's really, I'm not a perfectionist, but I um, am a cringeaholic. Uh, and it just, I always think of like how it could be better. And I can't fix it mm. or change it. So I just pretend I never wrote it. <laughs> also, though, okay, can we be real with each other? If y'all saw me reading my own book. <laughs> Right? Oh, that's true. What would you say? You would be like, I hate her. No, you can't read your own book. That's, no, that's not, that's insane. Well, it does kind of feel like once it's out there, it's out there and there's nothing you can yeah, do about it Yeah, what am anyway, I going to do? So, yeah. What am I going to do about it? People will like it or they will hate it. I'll never know. I don't read reviews. I don't, like, I put things out into the world and then I truly pretend like they don't exist. I don't read reviews. I don't listen to what anyone thinks about it. Nothing. It's too, uh, I feel like I'm the kind of person where uh, if someone is critical of me, I want to say, I want to, like, tell them what I was trying. I don't get mad. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if you understood Mm. that 
this is what I was trying to do and blah, blah, blah. But like, you can't do that. I'll never be satisfied. So I just don't engage at all. Was that something you've always been able to, because that's like a tough thing to do sometimes. I mean, oh, yeah. especially for a cringeaholic. Like I can imagine the temptation of looking this stuff up, even if you know. Never. I've never name searched, no Google wow. search. Uh, unfortunately, I've had people like, screenshot things and send them to me and like immediate block if you do that yeah uh you know why aren't we friends anymore remember that time you sent me a picture of my wikipedia that's why um no i feel like other people's opinions are theirs they can be out there they're valid i don't need them to like sink into my brain where they will never leave yeah I was on uh, Fresh Air the other day. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's clap for that. That's awesome. And some typical NPR listener, I'll Uh -uh. say no more. Go on. I'm not familiar, Sam. (laughs) All of my contact information is like hard to find, but I have a website, and all it has on it is a picture of a toilet and. my LA agent's email and my literary agent's email. So someone went to the trouble of finding that and uh, he sent Kent, my agent, uh, a long email about um, how many times I said like on the podcast. That's, you know, I... If it's any consolation, you're not the first person to receive oh, no, that email. Oh, no, I believe it. But because my agent is so amazing, he wrote back, no one cares what your crusty ass oh. thinks. <laughs> Which is why he's my agent. I was going to say. He's perfect for I me. Can I have your agent, Yeah. Please? But, like, I, I mean, how do you stay alive if you read that kind of thing every day? Yeah. It would make you second guess every single thing yeah. about yourself. Like, like... Like, 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 do you ever like think about like writing a novel? Did someone already tell you? No. I am working on a novel. Are you really? You guys. But here's a, you're clapping now, but... You know it's going to be weird. It's about uh, an, an old virgin trying to get her cherry pot. Great. Would y'all read that? Yes. Okay. So is it a romance novel? Oh, it's not romantic. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> yeah, no. No. I thought it's you... disgusting. <laughs> So um, I want to run through a couple other audience questions before we get to the end of our time. Laura in Northbrook wanted to know how the idea for all your books covers came about because they're perfect. Laura didn't say that. I added that part. (laughs) This is a disappointing answer. They don't let me choose. That's what I figured. I don't get to choose the titles either. Really? No. They do not. The gasp in this audience was pretty amazing. They don't let me do it. And you know what's crazy is I've sold like half a million books for them. Sure. And they still are like, mm, no. I tried 
I tried to call, wow, no thank you. Am I dead yet? (laughs) And they would not let me. They wouldn't do it. I tried to call, we're never meeting in real life. Everything is garbage. (laughs) They wouldn't let me do that. This one, so my editor, like, she is the nicest person on earth. I torture her, right? Because, like, she's, like, so sweet and, like, doesn't swear. And then she gets my stuff and is, like, <sighs> you know, she has to, like, cross herself. Um, she, for this one, she went through the manuscript and, like, pulled out phrases that would work as titles. Oh, wow. So I did choose this from a list of other worse titles wow. that I wrote. Right. <laughs> okay, right. one last question. This is from Lulu in Evanston. Okay, Evanston. Lulu wants to know what your favorite skincare product is these days. Okay. <laughs> it's life cha- It's life changing. Really? Okay, everybody get ready. Here we go. First of all, I don't have any makeup on right now, so like you can see my rosacea, but also my skin is all right. Pharmacy Deep Sweep. Pharmacy with an F. Yes. Somebody knows. Oh, my God. You just, like, swipe it on your face, and it just, like, fixes your face. I'm so glad. They are not paying me, I promise you. They're paying Lulu. That's what happened. Yeah. No one has ever offered me any sort of, like, brand deal. Or endorsement thing. If if there were a brand, like, what is your dream brand endorsement? Charmin. <laughs> Charmin extra strong. Yes. We, okay. We tried to get Charmin to sponsor a tour. <laughs> I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. Lindy West and I are going on tour in the fall. Oh, my God. Are you coming here? We'll come here. We'll come here. And so I was like, let's get a bus and let's get Charmin to pay for it. (laughs) And when you have, like, a big publisher, you can just say that. And then people try to get it for you. And, like, the bears on the side and everything, right? No, me on the side. (laughs) Sweating with my shirt off. Having the worst diarrhea of my life. (laughs) Seven books piled by the toilet. Uh And I'm like... I see it. I see it now. (laughs) Driving across America. For some reason, they wouldn't go for it. (laughs) Well, I still have hope for that one, too. I think it's going to happen. I think we can make it happen. And I can't wait for all of us to see that beautiful bus. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, Sam, thank you so very much for coming back home. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being here. 
right, that's it for this week. Extra bonus special thanks to all of the magical humans who helped make that event possible, including my colleagues with WBEZ's events team, the stage crew at Mundelein Auditorium on Loyola's campus, and everyone at Women and Children First, which is the fabulously feminist bookstore here in Chicago. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we are going to put out a 10th anniversary spectacular episode, and you are invited to participate. You could sing us happy birthday. You could talk about your favorite episode of Nerdette. You could talk about how freaking long 10 years is. Whatever it is, we would love to hear from you. Just record yourself on your little smarty phone and then email the file to nerdettepodcast at gmail.com. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman. J.P. Swenson builds our newsletter. And Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. We will see you next week. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.